Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. It's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. They will give you 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the Square Bowl. I'm Dan Moylan. Usual two with me, Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. TSB's Summer Special is on sale now. It's on pre-order if you want to get hold of that. 228 pages celebrating our first season back in the Premier League. Fantastic articles, brilliant illustrations, and you can get a couple of quid off that if you're a TSB Plus subscriber. Thesquareball.net forward slash plus to have a look at that. And this is the Euro Bowl then, our, our summer diary as we await the arrival of the new season but first, we have Calvin Phillips having to lift a trophy on Sunday against but, Italy. I mean, we're recording off the back of the um, the semi-final was last night. I thought cause... you were going to say we're awaiting the arrival of football. Because it's coming home, isn't it? Don't know, is it? Probably not. That's home, is Italy. Good to hear you're uh, right behind the lads. Yeah, Are you a bit tired today? Because I couldn't sleep last night after the old, the adrenaline of extra time and all that. Yeah, I went I ended up asleep about half one, but I feel absolutely fine. Oh, yeah. Weirdly. I'm but, kind of I'm still riding it, I think. I was similar, then I woke up early this morning, then I had to fall back asleep again because I couldn't get I couldn't speak to you two after only about four hours sleep. It's too much to uh, to bear. I had similar well not similar, but sleep and wakefulness was a, a concern. My um my reaction on the the full time whistle. I realised during the match that I didn't have any coffee in the house. And I I have a an espresso machine right next to my bed because <laughs> Um, without that, I'm not here by, what is it, nearly lunchtime. And I realised, yeah, I'd foolishly forgotten to get any coffee. And then, obviously, I couldn't go and get any during the game. But then, if England won, which, if you've seen the news, they did, the streets were going to be doing a madness, as I believe it's described. So as soon as the final whistle went, and I'm sure everybody across the country was cheering and celebrating and hugging, I already had my shoes on. And I raced as fast as I could to the co-op and bought some uh, bags of coffee. And just as I was leaving, like the first person was coming in the in the door in a, a red uh, 1990 World Cup 
England top to get beer. And I raced home just as people were starting to get, like the conga lines were just beginning. So I'm not, I'm not having any of this. Trying to get and, out of uh, the way of people. Yes, basically. And so I managed to scurry back into the house just before it came home down the street. It was quite exciting, wasn't it, in the end? Are you right behind the lads now? Are you feeling the full England fever? Uh, to an extent. I mean, the night before the semi-final, I didn't struggle to sleep whatsoever, which is maybe an indication. It almost makes me feel like a fraud then for really enjoying it when it happened because I didn't have that anxiety. Whereas with Leeds stuff, like in the running last year, before every single game, I had it where I'd go to bed thinking about it and it, I'd be spinning like scenarios around in my head and it was like, oh, West Brom will get a point. Yeah. But we can win. That means we'll be two points ahead and then we'll have a game then. And last, last year, the, the, in the running, it completely took over my life. Yeah. Quite, quite happy to admit, I was going to sleep thinking about it and I was waking up thinking about it and then most of the bits in between, I was thinking about it. Yeah, and like when Leeds have had playoff semi-finals and stuff, I've I've really struggled to sleep and turn off from it before games. Whereas with this, it was more, I think it was probably a, a much healthier relationship I've got with England because yeah. I really enjoyed us winning last night. I'm really looking forward to the final. It'll be great if we win, but equally if we don't win, I think by sort of Tuesday, I'll be probably all right, but with it again. I think there'll be disappointment the day after, whereas like I feel like even now I'm still a bit upset about the Coca-Cola Cup in 1996 yeah. and, and the playoff final defeats and the Derby game and it's all, all that stuff hangs around me a bit too much where I feel like England, I can it'll be all right. You I can, can, let, move you can let the grief go a lot easier, I think that's the Yeah, that's I think that's, thing, but that's good. I'm yeah, looking forward to that. It's healthy. I mean, it's not something we're used to as football fans, is it? And it's been nice seeing, having Calvin there is like a little bit of extra just to make me, me care that little bit more as well, which, yeah, was, is, which it, is good. It was good last night, wasn't he? He, he struggled a bit in that first spell, I think, when um, Denmark were overrunning things in midfield a wee bit. But um, as they started to drop off in the second half, he came into his own, didn't he? Because he's just a machine. Substitutions changed things. Not necessarily about Calvin Phillips getting better, but it's kind of, that when you're talking about the relationship we have as towards an England victory like this, as sort of, am I overstating the case to say, perhaps knowledgeable? We know a bit about football compared to people who are maybe jumping on the tournament bandwagon. So I can recognise that although England last night I thought were really, really good and did, I mean, I'd be, I was saying before, I'd quite like to see us concede a goal at some point just to see what happens and they overcame that. But I was also aware as kind of a someone who, seen championship football and supported Leeds for a long time that Denmark were bringing a lot of Brentford players on yeah. and so it was kind of like Harry Kane Raheem Sterling whoever else plays for England the other players against Brentford and that kind of so you do have that sort of little bit of a um, a different view on it when you, you consider that you know these people listen to Thomas Frank most days and so they, they can only be that good I've actually got a couple of uh, Denmark players. I've opened my first pack of stickers. I've Me got, too. Um, is one of them Danny Vass? It's not. I've got. Uh, it's one of those vertical 50-50 ones. It's Casper mm. Dolberg and Yusuf Poulsen. Losers. Um, I think Poulsen looked particularly distraught towards the end of the game. Um, well, yes, towards the end of the, the game ball. at the full-time whistle. I've got Daniel, Daniel Vass and Martin Braithwaite on got one the, of those um, half and halves. Pair of losers. Turkey shiny there for you. Uh, we've got an Austrian and a Hungarian. Uh, at one time... An empire. Yeah, an empire, yeah. <laughs> We've got um, Sylvester Hangya. Uh, he's the Hungarian. The best Doctor Who. Yeah, and uh, Florian Grilich from Austria. I feel like mine are all swaps. I'm pretty sure we've already got Ryan Christie. I think we've already got a Slovakia team picture. Then I've got Aaron Ramsey, Hakan Kalanoglu. And then we've got a split 
these are the only ones who are not yet losers in the pack, but they soon will be. Federico Chiesa and Andrea Balotti. We are the, lacking. Uh, the, the bean man. Uh, we are lacking for Ingerland. We've got the shiny. We've got Mings, Trippier and Sterling, which is a fairly poor return. Do you think um, Sterling's recovered from his brutal assault last night that led to the penalty? I mean, there was some contact. Mm-hmm. I'm 50-50 on this. I'm not adamant that that was not a penalty because... Imagine it's Bruno Fernandes. He, well, even, that's, that's different though, isn't it? He's gone charging into the box. Right, I don't really see a foul, but I also don't see a good tackle. Mm. I don't think either of the players have won the ball cleanly off him. And I do think what would have happened if those two players weren't there and whatever he felt on his shin and then the toppling over. And, I mean, the one who, the other guy was running in and kind of barged him was on his way to committing some sort of uh, atrocity. So I'm not out here thinking that that was like the most blatant example of cheating I've ever seen. I think it was somebody getting into the penalty area and going, right, if I go down here, it's a penalty and the, the player's giving him enough to go down about. I mean, it wasn't the most ridiculous penalty I've seen given. And there was the, I feel like maybe it was deserved because there was the other half penalty, the Harry Kane one, where I wasn't really sure who was at fault. Had he kicked the defender when the defender had got in front of him or had the defender yeah. I, it looked, tackled him? Or... It looked to me like, but this is the problem, isn't it, with, with super slow-mo, is that it takes it out of context to a certain extent. You lose the, the real world momentum of what happened, like, for example, with Sterling there where he's on the front foot, which means his body's not quite balanced, so contact will take him down. Did he make the most of it and dive? Probably, because that's but what also, he does. He didn't spin around and roll around on the floor for ages and do it, and he didn't throw himself into the air to go flying about like a, a flying machine or anything like that. It was just, he got banged over. And in, in real time, I thought, yeah, that's a penalty because, you know, just some players had converged on him and he ended up on the floor. And that's how, that felt penalty for me. So if he'd never seen, um, if there was never the VAR option and never the... Um, the slow-mo replays, I'd probably just have gone, if I'd been in the ground, I probably would have gone, yeah, they've, they've brought him down in the box there. So yeah. These um, things are made more go. difficult as well, by the way, that Kane is very good at this. He, well, that, that's what I was going to say about that, Kane. That just... thing where he gets his legs in the way and manages to make it look like a big tangle. Exactly. Like, I was like he say, does it all the time. That's exactly what I was going to say to finish the, the thought that I started was, it looked like he planted his foot first in front of the defender, which means that the defender's going to hit him and then he went down because I think he's very skilled at that and in real time, it's it's really hard to not give it yeah, I mean, Grealish came on and started, do, he does the same thing. He, he just gets himself in the way of a defender and almost, he manages to do it at an unnatural point. So as a defender, you wouldn't expect someone's legs to be there yet at that stage and then they end up hitting you and it kind of looks like a foul, but... We've seen the opposite quite often where Pervader or somebody will be banged about in the penalty area but because he doesn't go down, he doesn't get a penalty and you're thinking, if you just, they hit you, fall over... And we get a penalty kick, but he's all trying to, no, no, I want to stay on my feet, stay on my feet. So there is a, there's an element in modern football where if you don't um, make it obvious to the referee that there is a penalty there to give, they don't bother giving them. So it's, uh, it's not um, Raheem Sterling's crime, it's society's crime. I, I did also think as well the free kick that led to their goal was harsh as well because mm. Shaw obviously has got hold of him a bit, but you could probably look at get a free kick in every single game and you'll see someone doing the exact same thing and it's it's very rarely punished so that did feel a little bit harsh and it's mm. also harsh that we've got um, little T-Rex arms in goal as well because Ilan Melier would have just flicked it over the bar wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah, I was going to say if we had a, a person with full-size adult arms then 
probably saved that. I, do you think he was a he was a bit culpable for that? I mean, if, you know, the result doesn't means that it, it's irrelevant now, really. But he was, wasn't he? I think his positioning wasn't great, and his it wasn't in a top corner, was it? It no. was it was within reach. He had a bit of a, a madness in him last night. There were a couple of times he gave it away. Well, there's one where he rolled it pretty much to them, didn't he, on the yeah. edge of the box? And then there was another one where he, he cleared it later. He was mm. he was a bit more like the Everton John Pickford last night. Yeah, second sure. half of extra time, he was really. I was worried about him. <laughs> like somebody needs to. Well, but Southgate was going to get cal- hold of him. Calm down, everybody. Yeah. Just calm, calm around that as well. When he, I think Calvin initially gave it away, didn't he, for that chance? Then, when then Pickford then gave it away subsequently in the same passage of play. It's like everybody just, just, just calm down. I was quietly it's gutted fine. when, when they did calm down and they did the big long just keep ball session right at the end for the last few minutes. I kept tilting between. Just don't give the ball to Kelvin because I didn't want him to be the one to give it away. I was like, don't, don't give it to him. There's one point when he did actually as well. Yeah, and he was yeah. the one who put it out for a throw and I was like, yeah. oh no, this is better not come down or something. That was probably the most nervous I was in the game was not thinking, oh no, England might not get to the final or whatever. It was just, I really hope Kelvin doesn't do anything bad. Protect Kelvin <laughs> at, at all costs. At this point, yeah, yeah. Because it's just not worth letting anybody have a, a pop at him for whatever. It was. There was already a a bit of that because he gave the ball away a couple of times in the first half so immediately you see the the shadow of Hendo um, emerging from the bench and the, the hey 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 <laughs> just getting louder and louder can I come on yes can I come on yes Rechland looks tired he's not even scouts is it I was thinking the, 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 it's the fans who would be oh. gradually uh, just hearing Ferry cross the Mersey just increasing <laughs> in in volume while he's a he's a Sunderland Lad, but did with that little you, Jan Mobying of the voice. Did you enjoy Calvin's takedown from the air? Of did that? he mean it? Yes, he meant it. Yes, that. he meant it. You could see him look. He yeah. looks twice. He looks once when it's in the air and he decides what to do. And then just as it's about to drop on his foot, he looks again to check. I think it's Harry Kane, isn't it? It's still there. And it's, a huge, it's a hugely risky ball. But to thread it between those two players, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't be able to do that. Just on a spoiler alert. I think that's maybe why I look at it. If I tried to control a ball that had come that high, my first touch would be a bit like About that. Like, yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, that was the thing with it. It looked almost too ridiculous to have been deliberate. But then he's a good footballer. So he, he's like, if Becchio controlled a ball like that on halfway, you'd kind of hey. go, you would sort of have hey. gone, okay, well, that is, it is sometimes a bit like Watch that. what you're saying. I think it's, given that, that Denmark were breaking at that point, though, and there were two men bearing down on him to thread the ball between him with his first touch. In what was essentially sort of a reverse pass is mm. is fucking wild, isn't it? That is a, a ridiculous skill set. Well, we're on Calvin. Have you seen the ridiculous stats that I've I've just seen on Twitter as well? I think it's come via um, focus on leads. Focus on it? leads, but I think yeah. it says via data is stats bomb via FB ref. It says in the in the in the bottom of it, but pressures applied by England players. Um, it's broken down by thirds, but Calvin thirty seven, Declan Rice second with seventeen. That's, that is crazy. The boy's it? ridiculous. I didn't think he was brilliant either in the first half an hour of it. I felt, I felt like after they scored, he improved a lot and he got a grip of it. But early on, I was a little bit worried for him. But he was still probably doing all that stuff and even looked, in that early period. He looked better when he dropped that wee bit deeper after Henderson did come on, when he, he sat a bit further back like Rice had been doing, um, because that's his it's his natural home, isn't it? He's good at all the, the other stuff, but he's, he's perhaps not quite as creative as some of the other players who are in front of him. I did notice one thing that annoyed me about last night was he played a brilliant ball um, over the top into the corner for Mason Mount, who then uh, took it and um, it went out for a, a throw-in. But is that because he's a, a useless throw-in. Chelsea bastard? Well, no, I mean, Mount did fine. He he took the pass because it was a brilliant pass, but he didn't say thank you. There was no turn and acknowledgement to Calvin. Like, great ball, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great ball. Nope, just 
blanked him. It's Chelsea for you, isn't it? Yeah, not having that. Whereas, you know, Calvin would have, if roles were reversed, one, Mason Mount wouldn't have been able to play that pass. And two, uh, Calvin would have said, never mind, do better next time. Yeah. So Mason Mount can fuck off. <laughs> England. <laughs> what a year Calvin's had, though. I mean, imagine if he actually wins this. I'm so pleased for him, I just yeah. on a personal level, to have done the promotion and then a really good year and then going in to win something with England. It's, it's, it feels so, like ours, doesn't it? It really does. I feel like he should be allowed to bring the trophy to Ellen Road because he maybe it, will. It is his, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. I don't care. If, I don't care who scores the goals. I had a little flickering vision last night of because uh, I think the final will be one nil either way. I think it'll be done, it settled in ninety minutes and one nil either way. And I had just a vision because he had that little pop light on, you know, in injury time. It was only a half chance when he span it over the bar. But I thought, what? What if Calvin? scores the winner in the Euros that'd be something he, he genuinely is on the verge of being Sir Calvin Phillips it's possible it's within reach I mean we're also potentially dealing with Sir Jack Grealish which would be completely wrong I don't think we are he got the, the Bielsa treatment last night doesn't it I thought it was quite funny first of all I will recommend if you search the word Grealish on Twitter maybe it'll be fading off because the algorithm now but last night I did that just to see what the reaction was among Villa fans they are so put out by him being yanked for uh, the change in shape, you know, when he went three at the back, really put out on it. Lee Dixon will be put out as well. A massive, a massive disrespect to Jack. It's taken the shine off it for me. Stuff like <laughs> ridiculous. It's like it's obvious why he did it. They just needed to go more solid, three at the back, shut the game down. And you saw that massive um, keep ball session that they did for like three minutes. And that's the reason why they put Trippier on, just to give us a bit more solidity at the back. It was actually, I think, the most respect. Jack Grealish has ever been shown by anybody was that for Gareth Southgate to trust him and there's a big story with Southgate and the way the relationship he's developed with the players so that the the mutual trust in his decisions that probably goes back to I mean you take it all the way back and touch on it briefly but the taking a knee business where he came out and stood behind them so strongly and not just but then got ahead of them and said no I'm going to lead them on this because I think it's the right thing to do when you have you know the situation with um, the Home Secretary saying that they're essentially like spoiling the country by taking them and the England fans should boo them and if you take the you know the personalities out of who that is or what party they're from the Home Secretary is one of the most powerful people in the country and I was thinking about putting myself in Saka's shoes as like a 19 year old kid who's playing football and has Nigerian parents and suddenly the Home Secretary is having a go at you and thinking could they could they send my parents home? Could my family be deported because I'm playing for England and I'm doing this? And all that kind of stuff was coming to the boil before the, the tournament started. And Southgate, the way he has united the players and, and kept them going, they, they seem to trust him in everything that he does. And that comes through when he's saying to somebody like Jack Grealish, I think you'll take this. Everybody else says you're a prick. But I think... If I take you off here, you'll understand why I'm doing it. You're a prick, you'll understand. But you'll understand, but no, everybody else says you're a prick, but I think you're the sort of person, deep down, you've got the character to understand why this is necessary, be a good teammate, and and the credit that Southgate's built up in in the bank with them, if you compare it to somebody like, if it was Blackwell doing that, Kevin Blackwell, the players, whoever is playing for them, the reaction is going to be, oh, what's that silly prick doing now? Whereas with the England players, it's always going to be, right, I don't want to be left out. Phil Foden missing all the all the games since the the start of the tournament. Tyrone Mings not getting in after Harry Maguire's come back. So it's like, well, yeah, but Southgate's going to help us win this tournament, and I trust him to be doing those decisions. 
And he's backed us on all the things that we've wanted to do and not just in a lip service way, in a meaningful way. It wasn't just, uh, you know, if Rashford wants to feed kids, that's fine. He'll do whatever he's like. No, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to support him and make statements about why that's a good thing to do and why he should be supported in that and all this kind of stuff. So that when it does come to Jack Grealish, maybe he wouldn't take it off Dean Smith. Maybe it's Aston Villa. He's like, how the fuck are you? I'm the captain. How can you be taking me off? But in this situation, is that right? No, Southgate's backed me. He's brought me on. If he wants to take me off, fair enough. And I don't know who else. I certainly wouldn't have the faith in uh, Jack Grealish because I think he's a prick. But he got the support and I think it's probably the nicest thing anybody has ever done to Jack Grealish, even higher than giving him the captaincy at Aston Villa or whatever, is the England national team manager saying, I trust you not to make a big deal out of this. We have to do this. Go and sit down. You understand it. It's all cool. So those Aston Villa fans, it just shows that they're a bunch of classless pricks if they can't understand that that was really an elevation of Jack Grealish as a person and a character, as somebody who we can trust that that will be fine. To sit down and shut the hell up. Yes. And it's a Bielsa move as well, so more credit for Marcelo for teaching Gareth the old sub-sub. Uh, I think where it comes in as well with Bielsa and Southgate is that if players can see that managers' previous decisions have worked, then they're more likely to go along with it as well. If Like Kevin Blackwell used to consistently pick strikers on the wing and it never worked. So when he did it, everyone went, why does he keep doing this? Whereas in this tournament, Southgate's decisions have worked, so mm. you've got to go along with it, haven't you? And I guess as well, you don't want to be having a strop and not getting off the bench in the final either if you're in Grealish's position, so that's good. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. What about Ashley Cole? You see him in the, in the post-match on ITV, perhaps writing the wrong that he set forth before questioning Calvin Phillips' role in the team. I mean, he did try to apologise a bit, didn't he? He did it say was, that. That's my sorry. So he said so sorry. He kind of mumbled it a little bit towards the end of his... Uh, say, it, say it clearly so they can hear you at the back. You're sorry to Calvin Phillips. What, for, what are you sorry for? <laughs> are you sorry you upset him? Are you sorry you upset people? Are you sorry for yourself? Are you sorry because you said something wrong and bad and you're an idiot? In fact, on the, the coverage, can we talk about the state of it? Oh. It was an, it should have been kind of an iconic win, shouldn't it? And you had Matterface just you know what? I'm, I, droning on talking shit over the top I'm of it. I'm trying really hard in this day and age, like in the wake, 
and I'm, this is not vir- like virtue signaling or anything like that, but in the wake of like what happened to Caroline Flack and because of stuff that was going on in the public eye, I'm trying to be a better person and think, let's not fucking lambast people who are in the public eye. But I found it really, really hard to tolerate Matt Face last night. I found it, I thought, and there's nothing I need to tweet about Matt Face that's going to be positive, so I won't say anything. But I am quite prepared to say on here, because we're talking about it, he was awful. I found it really, really difficult to listen to. The bit that got me at the end, I was finding it quite hard to listen to anyway, was when he described their players as members of staff. They've only got, they've got 10 members of staff on the pitch or something. I still don't know what the fuck happened. What, a physio? Then he was like, they've got nine paid players on the 10. And it's like, what? what? Explain what's going on. We can't see this. All we need, and I still don't know. So did... Denmark go down to 10 players because a yeah. player was off injured. Yes. They, they, I just could not work out from what he was why saying. Why didn't he say that? The second half because, of extra time was with 10 men, yeah. Because he, the problem with Matterface's commentary as a style, and it's a stylistic choice, is he he's constantly, it's all for the montage. He's hoping yeah, yes. that everything will come together just as he's saying, not to tempt fate, but this is the most significant free kick England have taken since 1974 and it's in the top co- but it, and so there's this constant irrelevant wittering about potential outcomes. So it's all, and it's a corner to England. And if they score from this corner, that would mean that yeah. children will be given presents <laughs> all over. And, and, and so I wonder what you're going to say. Then. Everything from the first minute to the last is weighted with this incredible significance. And, and what it ends up with is a fuck up on England's first goal where he was just gabbling on about Kasper Schmeichel keeping clean sheets. So the commentary on that, and they ended up using it in the the montage at the end, is where he's going, well, he's kept clean sheets against England in these years. And well, oh, and he's not going to keep a clean sheet now. And that's... And you've totally missed the build-up. And you've made everything then in that goal forevermore is about Kasper Schmeichel conceding. Whereas if you're doing the commentary on the England match, you want it to be about, and England have scored a goal, they've equalised, they're back in the game. So instead of talking about what's going, what's happening on the pitch, and he's not the only one to do it, Jonathan Pierce has always been my bet noir on this, instead of just saying what's happening on the pitch. Or shutting up. Or <laughs> shutting up and being quiet. It just becomes this constant, you're hearing about things from years ago to try and give it historical significance that doesn't matter. There was no, if you, the commentary on the 1966 World Cup final, the reason the last words are so important and poignant and memorable because all that Kenneth Wollstenholm is saying and if you listen to some of Wollstenholm's other commentaries he's often he talks about shit but all he says at that point is telling you what's happened there are some people on the pitch and they think it's all over it's not well the last pitch invasion was obviously at the uh, 1927 FA Cup final and the scenes we saw that oh and reminiscent, the reminiscent of the Battle of Waterloo exactly there was none of that it was just <laughs> this is what is happening here, yeah, and that's and it's not just massive face; it's lacking from so much. When you mentioned uh, commentary, Jonathan Pierce actually, and we're on Denmark. It was Jonathan Pierce, yeah, was commentating when Ericsson collapsed in the first game, and he still did it. There's a man on the he was yes. on the pitch getting his fucking resuscitated and and having the bloody electric shocks, and he said something like, "On the floor now, they're talisman. He's got fifteen goals, yeah. and they shut up." Jonathan, yeah. it's not the time, mate. He Turn got it, it in with the stats. Uh, he did it eventually, didn't he? When he realised that he didn't have any more words to say. But this is what I think What I think Pierce and Matterface does it as well. Matterface has pre-written lines for when there's a lull in the action. Um, you can tell he's, and he's got scripted, like he started into a monologue. Did you, did you notice in the injury time, 
in the end of Extra Time. Mm. He started about two minutes from time, started this this monologue that was going to go on. He planned it to finish at the final whistle. And I think that's what he does with, like, for example, that first England goal. So there's a little lull in place. Nothing's really happening. So he'll go, right, brain now. Mm. We'll start. I've got this. I've got this line written about this. This is what I've got to say about Schmeichel. Schmeichel. just made that save. So. Yeah, so Schmeichel's made a save. So, right, there's a little pause. I'll now start talking about Schmeichel. Uh, a minute later or 30 seconds later, and I'm still going on making the same point, you're behind the actual action because you're so busy delivering your, your pre-scripted points. I mean, obviously, when you do any form of broadcasting, you've got to have your research to hand, but there's a time to use it and there's a time not to. And it just brings me back to like when we've spoken to like John Helm on the extra ball. And one of the questions I asked him was like, is there a time to shut up? I remember when we spoke to him, we asked him that, is there a time when you just need to just shut up? He's like, yeah, silence is so powerful. And if you listen to the great commentators, they do, they know when to stop talking and just let what is happening on the screen paint the picture on its own. It's uh, People understand you're just there to help guide them through it. You don't need to constantly bombard them with shit. And like you say, it is, it is almost done with clips for social media in mind, like first and foremost, which is what like, for example, Piers Morgan used to do on, on Good Morning Britain. Here, I'll say something contentious and throw it at you, minister. Minister says something back. There we go. We've got our clip for social. Brilliant. On to the next outrage. I think that's what they're probably a little bit guilty of in, the, in this modern era is that. And when you get to the point where you are in extra time and you don't know that Denmark are down to 10 players because he's just babbling. And the, the thing with Matterface in particular, and we are going to, we are lambasting him now, he speaks quite badly. He keeps saying things wrong, even though they're prepared. And I, I wonder if it's the preparation is doing him. He'll say he, there was... He said um, something weird about Jordan Pickford's fingers. Well, it was, but it's... it's he, he said to me like Jordan Pickford looking in there, getting his fingers around it or something. And I just thought, it's a strange turn for him. Well, the one I'm thinking of was along the lines of, um, and if they win this, it's the first time England have been to a semi-final, a, a final. It's like, you've prepared that and it's easy and you're saying it, you can, you're tripping yourself up it's over the bra- words. because brain's doing one thing, mouth's doing the other. Yeah, and yeah. I think everybody it, It's incredibly difficult, to, uh, we should say. Well, yeah. it's, it's easier if you simplify and you just get back to yeah. and it's it's yeah. what every it's what everybody wants it's what the ITV producers will be telling him they want from his commentary and why what they like about him is all that stuff but you need to just simplify and get back to that idea of just say who has got the ball tell me who what that player is what is his name how many players do Denmark have on the pitch at this time and the ITV coverage in general when they cut to um, Emma Hayes and Gary Neville like for how long have we had the ability to to just switch to somebody pitch side and we'll hear from somebody else years and yet they can't switch Gary Neville's microphone on for that part and it's this is a, a European Championship semi-final millions of people watching just turn this fucking microphone on that's not difficult stuff but they they you know, they can't even get that stuff. Just just to go back to what you said Michael you're right look you know we're sat here gabbling away about football and we've got the benefit of an edit Let's not make any bones about it. You know, we, we take out some of the fuck-ups and we sometimes get a second bite of the cherry when things go wrong, don't we? But So it's not easy, no. what I'm saying. So we, we have to caveat it with that. But you it, make it, it easier on yourself. Self, yeah. I just, I just felt like I wanted, if not something iconic, at least functional with the commentary last night. Cause it, most people have obviously experienced that on ITV. And it did sort of ruin it a bit. Like. Yeah. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. Which well, is... I got to the end and I thought, thank God it's, thank God the final yeah. I can watch on BBC One. Jermaine Genus. Which, yeah, admittedly, he's a bit difficult at times. But... Although he has actually, I think he, he's improved a, a little bit. There was something he was, um, there was some moment, he said one thing 
was it on the one show? <laughs> yeah, I watched him on the one show. It was something from a player's perspective, and I was like, oh, that's that's quite an interesting insight. It's like I was gonna we we didn't talk about her earlier, but I know Emma Hayes was getting quite a lot of attention for her sudden elevation to commentary, and oh, she could do with kind of dialing it down a little bit in terms of the volume of like amount of things that she she talks. She's a bit like the opposite of Martin Keown, who is just like, well. He's kicked that. He's kicked that. That's <laughs> and you can see it's in the it's in the net where she um she's giving full coaching sessions. But what's interesting about Emma Hayes and what's been missing from commentary until I heard her is that she's a current working manager. And okay, it's Chelsea women's team, so it's different. But she does the same coaching courses as the men, and it's the same qualifications. It it's the same game essentially. So there's no. It doesn't matter which particular club she's managing. She's a working, current, successful manager. And you don't really get that anymore. But when, I mean, this is going back to when everything was better when we were young. But um, <laughs> I can remember distinctly the, the title season at Leeds. Trevor Francis was co-commentating on ITV on Leeds United and Manchester United games. He's the manager of Sheffield. When, he's player manager of Sheffield Wednesday, who were third in the title race trying to overcome us. And... Um, uh, Gary Lineker was started doing co-commentary while he was playing Lee Chapman when he was injured in the commentary box doing co-commentaries. When um, Leeds were in the European Cup final against Bayern Munich, Don Revie is doing the co-commentary in 1975. The England manager. You're not going to get Gareth Southgate doing co-commentary or doing punditry. Punditry has become a job for fucking losers who can't get a job. And so there's this big gap has opened up between the experience and what is happening in the game now and their actual knowledge. Everyone says, well, you know, Alan Shearer's got the experience of playing in a European Championship semi-final, which is true, but also he's not actually worked in the game for a long time. He doesn't know what the latest coaching techniques are. And what was what I was getting from um, Emma Hayes' commentary, in, um, it was one of the early round games. And you could it, it was one of those, I was thinking about it as well, that she was right for horses for courses because it was something like Switzerland versus Ukraine on a Tuesday afternoon in the group stage where the only people tuning in for that really are football fans. So having her there talking about pressing and getting between lines, I remember her doing a big breakdown of all the options when a Swiss player was sent off. She was talking about the age profiles of the players on the pitch and how that might affect their ability to go through the rest of the game and the other players that the manager would be able to choose to to give them a different way of playing up front. Explained all the options. Fascinating stuff if you're a football fan. But if you're an England fan who turns in for the tournaments, you don't want that. You want somebody just kind of going, hey, it's a goal. And he stuck it in the net. And oh, and that's a throw in. And and uh, here's, here's why that's a, a penalty. And here's Alvier, all that simple stuff. But she's been interesting to have somebody actively working with a job in the game, doing the punditry instead of just you know, what the fuck does Ashley Cole do the rest of his days just like dials in shit opinions to talk sport? Peter, Peter Walton, actually, while we're on <laughs> and his, He came to mind as well. <laughs> when you said about the penalty, I mean, he's there. His, his job is literally to watch a decision and say whether it's right or not. Whereas he watched the Harry Kane one and went, well, that's 50-50. <laughs> could go either <laughs> way. Anyone could have said this, Peter. You basically, you've got one line to deliver in this game. I think that was the only time they went to him, wasn't it? Did they go to him again with the Sterling one? I can't remember. I think they did. I might have at that point taken the six-inch nails to my ears. But uh, yeah, it I, was... I had to put my fingers in my ears because my picture was behind and I knew that I would hear cheering to tell me mm. if the penalty had gone in or not. So I, I had to stick my fingers in my ears until Harry Kane missed it. Bamford would have scored, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and he did miss it, didn't he? Which, mm. And it was a terrible penalty. 
this is where actually a little bit of League Z anxiety did creep in when I was watching the replays of it, noticing how close Schmeichel actually was to holding onto that as well because yeah. it's, it's kind of at his body and his hands are, are just a centimetre out of place and he's so close to just holding onto that and then we probably just go to penalties again then we have to witness Harry Kane missing another. I, it hit me um, <laughs> in extra time Calvin Phillips taking a penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Is that him something off. I want to see or something I don't yeah. want to see? I think it was after we'd had that shot in stoppage time and he was right to go for it. You could see on the replay the way that gap had opened up. And even though, I mean, confident to take it on his left foot and shot and stuff and he wasn't a million miles away. But um, so I had that scenario of, ah, oh, and I'd put two pound on Calvin to score because I think I'd said um, in the build-up, I thought we go through and Calvin scores in the semi-final and then we lose to Italy. So I'd, I'd line those bets up. Although I foolishly... I did bet on England to win, but I did it. I fucked up and did the 90 minutes instead of to qualify. Yeah. We're just talking about sort of gambling analogies. Calvin on penalties feels a little bit like walking into the casino with, with the, the mortgage deeds and putting it on red or black. You're not going into the casino and just having a fiver on the roulette table. We'll put a couple of numbers on. That's a bit of fun. Maybe we'll do a bit of that, a bit of this. No, it's everything on one outcome or the other. But maybe him missing a penalty is, is our chance to reclaim him just for us again. Mm. Yeah. Because it'd be like, Calvin, over here. Come on. Come on, away from the no, away from the rest of them. Come on, we'll take we'll take you home. I mean, where on, is get he back to the, Leeds? Uh, where is he in the pecking order for taking penalties at Leeds? I, I mean, I would let Melier take one. I don't know why <laughs> Phillips is. You know, he can shoot, he can score goals. He's a, he's got beautiful feet, but something about him and a penalty just doesn't seem to. I've got that vision. You know, when he um he gets annoyed and he does a bad tackle and gets sent off, the QPR face where he's just kind of like, oh, I've totally fucked up here, haven't I? I feel like that's the outcome of Calvin Phillips taking a penalty of him just going, oh, no, yeah, I've done that all wrong. I reckon he tries to blast it down the middle and it gets saved. Mm. That's how I that's how I pictured it in my making a catastrophe of a success. I was thinking, this does go to penalties and he probably, probably just, or he might blast it over or something. It's amazing how little faith, I mean, I've got so much faith in him and he plays brilliantly, but then it does get to as we were saying that keep ball in stoppage time and you, you're thinking just keep the ball away from him so he doesn't do anything <laughs> wrong I think it's just it, it's a it's a product of the nerves of wanting him to do so well yeah. is that you just don't want him put in any of the scenarios where it might not go well so you end up assuming that he can't even take a penalty <laughs> even though he's like a very experienced professional footballer his legs will cave <laughs> He'll always be ours and we'll always be there to protect him. That's the important thing. We just want him to look after our boy and um, keep him safe from harm. And it is, it is like being a parent. There's, there's no two ways about it. You just want to insulate your little darling from, uh, from any trouble. We should do some more stickers, by the way. We'll talk about the final in a second. I've got a couple of North Macedonians. They're the only ones who weren't doubles. In so this pack, I've, so got, saved them. I've got, I've got the, some as well. All right. Well, let me say mine. You haven't got any as good as mine. Well, I've, I can got tell the, you that much. I've got the team having a big celebration. I think we might have had these two before, but I've got Ennis uh, Bardi. I've not and... fucking finished. I did, but I don't know who these people are. I just want you to take them away. Okay. Well, and I've got... Um, Elf Jim Elmas. There you go. I've got Elidia Nestorovsky. You know who Elgif Elmas is because I've told you before, he's the good one that plays for Napoli. And uh, well, just I've got, don't listen. Well, I've got Janny. We've already got Janny, so... In a half. In a half. Oh, well, that's new. And he's got his... Um... Is he blonde? Yeah, he's he's kind of growing out, but you can see he's got his... He's got his blonde top on on that one. Is he wearing a Roma shirt? This is a, this is a, a double. We've already got this. But when this one popped out, it's, it's Rabbi Matondo who plays for Wales. But when I first glanced at it, I saw, I saw Rabbi, not Rabbi. Well, that doesn't look like a man in, uh, in the regalia. The regalia. 
Swiss bloke, Turkish bloke, Croatian bloke, all got the potential to mispronounce those. And them over. So I'll just go for Borna Barisic of Croatia. There you go. I've got um, Chesney, who I do remember being on loan at Brentford. The one and only. When uh, when we played him and not knowing how to pronounce that name, seeing it on the back of his shirt and thinking, I have not a clue where to start with that. I also have Joseph Font and Ante Rebic. So the players you rejected were Khan Ehan, Borna Barisic and Remo Freuler, Switzerland. Well, we've gone quite long on this one, so let's talk about the final now and then we'll split this off and we'll do a, we'll do a special Leedsy version after this. But uh, Italy in the final. And don't anyone tag Sam Matterface in or anything either, by <laughs> the way. Don't go grassing us up. Yeah, there's no, there's no need. He, do, he doesn't need to hear our criticism. He's going to be getting plenty of pelters anyway. So. It was all quite constructive. Yeah, it's just, just shut up sometimes, Sam. That's all we're saying. <laughs> Not everything has to be historical. I've got our, our new winger, Jeremy Doku. Are we having him? Did we decide? He's the... Um... Well, we were linked to Damsgaard as well, weren't we, who scored the goal? But he's going to be far too expensive for our, uh, our mm-hmm. tastes. I don't have Doku anyway, because I think he's at, um, he's at Wren as well, isn't he? So we can go back to them. And, yes, yeah, yeah. And pick another young prospect off them, which is quite nice. Final pack then, I, have, I also have Kai Havertz, Unai Simon, the dodgy Spanish goalkeeper, and Jesus Navas on a half and half. And then some people I don't no, Adam Do I Lang, have to open these now? Fiola. Are we not allowed to open stickers while we're talking about leads? No, let's get it out of the way now in Absolutely the Europe. Boring. I've got um, Ukrainian Katarin. I've got two Swedes, 50-51. It's uh, Christopher Olsen and Marcus Berg. A couple of um, Croatians in the 50-50. Again, we've got we've got accents and funny letters there that I'm not going to attempt. Jao Cancelo and Declan Rice has popped up. England, no, another England player. It's about time we had some England. Ireland's Declan Rice. Though. I like Declan Rice now. Yeah. Start of the tournament. Wasn't so sure. I thought I thought he was good last night. He, I noticed he was getting a little bit of stick for not being involved enough, but I thought he did his job quite nicely. Yeah. After, after, again, after, like Calvin, after a, a kind of a slightly problematic opening half an hour or so, I thought he was pretty good. So the players Dan wouldn't pronounce were Declan Rice, Jao <laughs> uh, Cancelo, I said that one, uh, Marcelo Borozovic and Matteo Kovacic, Marcus Berg, Christopher Olsen, Ihor Karatan, who uh, is a Ukrainian. I did read some of those out, by the way. Emery Chan is in my bag. Milan Bedelj from uh, Croatia with Andrei Kramaric, who is his countryman, and Sirhai Kristof from the Ukraine. Yeah, Italy. England v Italy. What do you reckon? I mean, obviously we know what you think, Moscow. Michael? I'm probably the same as you, I think, Dan. I think it'll be a, a 1-0 either way. Um, terribly tight affair. Mm, I think both teams showed in the last week that we can cheat with the best of them mm-hmm. so uh, let's hope it's let's have a big, a big let's, cheat-a-thon let's, let's see who can cheat the best <laughs> no, I don't, we've got a, we've got a decent chance it's not yeah. I don't think it's a, a brilliant Italy side I was kind of hoping we'd get to play Spain actually rather than Italy just because I, th- I felt like they're a, a bit more attacking and could cause us trouble but I mean everyone's saying what a crap Spain side it is and they caused Italy a lot of problems yeah. so we've got a chance I think Sterling and Grealish and the likes running at the Italy central defenders has the potential to. That's where the penalties are going to be won. I don't think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be a, a high-scoring festival of uh, nonsense. I think it's going to be wild. I've just got that feeling. I think um, Pickford is embracing the danger. And um, I think there's going to be some of that coming out. And it's Because Italy have been quite good defensively. I think I've said on an earlier podcast that they had the advantage over England at the tournament because they've got the experience of having gone behind and then 
I think Matterface perhaps schooled me or somebody. No, it must have been on them. Um, on uh, the Queen's BBC, where they were saying that they, they haven't even conceded a goal. They've not been behind for 100 million years. Like, oh, okay. Don't know anything, me. But I think all that goes out the window in the final. I think everybody starts scoring goals. Calvin Phillips rattles in a couple. Um, Grealish dives to win all the penalties and gets subbed off. Um, and this time he can't take it. It's a breakdown. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then ultimately Italy win. It does not go to penalties. That's um, I'm so confident. You're going for like a 6-5-ish, six, six, it sounds like. Realistically, like I know, I, I do like my outlandish high-scoring predictions. I can feel a three-two in ninety minutes. I've got suspicions about maybe an extra time, but still three-two. Three-two is my feeling. But yeah, I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a crazy one. Well, we shall see, won't we? Um, we will do another Euroball Leeds flavored straight after this one and then we'll return with a will it be a grief cast will it be a joy cast on Monday the day after the final Monday Monday's going to be a bloody write off isn't it I want us to win yeah it'll be great if we do win it'll be fun for uh, people who were into football for those five minutes (laughs) (laughs) the hangers on are a bit annoying I have to say I did again not to take it too much into politics but I did see Boris Johnson I just think oh just fuck off you don't know what you're doing you don't like football don't tweet about it. Don't go to watch it. Don't talk about it. You've no right. Just piss off. And that's a positive end. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get on board something that should be the pride of the nation. Well, I mean, Moscow's already covered it. The stuff that was said at the, the start of the tournament about everyone's everyone's free to express their opinions, aren't they? Was what, I guess, Boris Johnson was arguing. And my opinion is that he should fuck off <laughs> and not be there for the final. Give the ticket to someone who gives a fuck. Give it to a Marxist. You could do that, couldn't you? <laughs> I'm just joking. Don't start rage tweeting now. All right, let's wrap it up then. We'll come back with some uh, some leads chat in a bit and uh, we'll return with another Euroball post-final on Monday when we all might be a bit tired and emotional. Come on, Calvin, don't make a mistake now. We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. 
Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.